Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, self-driving car accidents and the latest in Trump versus Google. But first... I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. Two months ago, America's largest specialty toy retailer, Toys R Us, closed its doors for good eight months after first filing for bankruptcy. And for those of you without kids or those with an Amazon fetish might not have been in a Toys R Us recently, it's worth realizing just the massive scope of this failure. So there were around 1,700 toys and babies R Us stores when the company went under, employing about 65,000 people. To put that in context, that's more employees just at Toys R Us than there are American coal workers in total. As for what happened, well, that depends a bit on who you ask. What we know is that Toys R Us was bought in 2005 in a huge leveraged buyout. And those private equity firms tried taking it public a few years later, but that didn't work. And soon the company began struggling to make debt payments related to the buyout. So for those who don't know how private equity works, just in general, when private equity firms buy a company, they do so with a lot of debt. And it's the company that holds that debt, not the private equity firms. And the expectation is the company can pay off the interest or even pay off the debt by continuing to grow. But in the case of Toys R Us, it soon hit big new competition from companies like Amazon and Walmart. So by late last year, it couldn't handle the debt anymore and to file for bankruptcy with the expectation there would be a buyer for at least some of its top performing stores. In fact, there were even offers. But by that point, the company was owned by its creditors, not by the private equity firms. And those creditors opted for a full-scale liquidation. So never bet against greed on Wall Street. Since then, a workers' advocacy group has been fighting to get severance for the workers, which is something they didn't get. And it's been in talks with two of the original private equity firms, KKR and Bain Capital, neither of whom have ever done something like this before. But the third firm, Vornado, says it's not their problem. And the creditors are saying the same. So they may soon be getting pressure from their own investors, which in one case includes the state of New Jersey, where Toys R Us was based. The bottom line, workers got screwed here by a combination of Wall Street mismanagement and some technological innovation. What comes from that, though, in terms of money or new policy, could stick around long after Jeffrey the Giraffe is forgotten. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Carrie Gleason, who is helping to drive that worker campaign. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Carrie Gleason, Policy Director at Our, which is driving the Rise Up Retail campaign. So, Carrie, there have been a lot of retail companies that have gone bankrupt over the last couple of years, some of which are private equity owned, some of which aren't. Why focus specifically on Toys R Us? Toys R Us is the third largest bankruptcy in U.S. history, and it became a tipping point. It was, I think, one of the most well-loved brands in America. And one of the big differences is that these workers were promised severance pay that then later got taken away from them. The company obviously is gone. Liquidation start, you know, bankruptcy eight months ago, liquidation sometime after that, and all the doors officially closed in May. Give the basic argument, other than the, that their managers told them this, why should private equity firms, which no longer own the company, why should they contribute to severance pay for workers who they don't? It's not like they still have the company and are still making money off of it. Yeah, Wall Street analysts in America all agree that what happened at Toys R Us should not have happened. We should all still have a toy store down our block. There was definitely a situation in Toys R Us 
where some of these private equity firms like Solus Asset Management in particular felt that they could make more money liquidating the company than keeping hardworking Americans employed. In the case of Toys R Us, it all began in 2005 through the leverage buyout that put over $5 billion in debt in the company and made it hard for them to compete with big retailers like Amazon. When you talk about Amazon, there's obviously a counter argument which says, look, the, the debt obviously was a big problem for Toys R Us. You know, people point to the fact that revenue was generally static between now and when the company had been bought. But Amazon obviously changed things for not just Toys R Us, lots of retailers. From your perspective, was it the debt that killed Toys R Us or was it really the fact that they had not only competition from Amazon, but also from generalist retailers like Walmart that they didn't really have when the leverage buyout originally happened? retail industry has totally changed very quickly. There's not a retail company in America that's not figuring out how to compete better with Amazon. The difference with Toys R Us was that it wasn't set up to compete successfully because of all of the different Wall Street firms that weren't figuring out how to keep the company running, right? So everyone thought that when the company entered bankruptcy in September, that it was going to reorganize and find a way to keep a lot of people employed and keep the company going. In fact, it had buyers that wanted to take over. It's a viable American business. We saw a boost in toy sales from all these other retailers when Toys the rest went out. It was making money. And the difference is that it wasn't up to the decision of the people that were trying to keep the company running. It was the decision of creditors like Solus Management, who said we can make a quick buck by shutting the door. In your career, have focused on retail. Is this just kind of not this particular campaign with toys, but is this just putting fingers in the dam? In other words, if you and I are having this conversation 10, 20 years, do you feel that physical specialty retailers, there's still going to be a viable place for them in the marketplace? Or is it going to be Amazon and companies like Amazon? Amazon that simply control not just the toy vertical, but all these verticals. Amazon is also opening brick and mortar locations, especially through their buyout of Whole Foods. Every, you know, retail companies in America know they need to be both online and in the stores. And I think that the the difference with Toys R Us is the brand, you know, I think it, it was in the process where it could have adapted, but it wasn't really set up to do that. And regardless, we have employees now who've dedicated 30 years in some cases of their careers that really just got put to the street. There's a lot of people making money in this bankruptcy and these mostly hardworking women shouldn't have to fight so hard just to cut a little bit of recognition for what they contributed to the company. Talk to me about policy here. One of the first things you guys did was you went down to D.C. You spoke to a couple of folks, particularly Senators Menendez and Booker from New Jersey, which is where Toys R Us was headquartered. What do you want in terms of public policy changes here? And do you actually see any of that coming? Yeah. Well, we really believe that what happened with Toys R Us exposed the need for some new guardrails that actually protect jobs for working Americans, right? You shouldn't be able to have a private equity firm like Solus, who gets even public dollars from states like New Jersey, be able to say, well, we can make a quick buck and then destroy jobs in New Jersey. Like there's a, that exposes something that's just not working, right? So we're talking to policymakers about what new protections we can put in place that really allows for investment, but also protect jobs. And in addition, we're also looking at what kinds of protections we need for folks that are losing their jobs, right? In other countries where Toys R Us closed, workers got severance pay, was guaranteed by law. And we know right now the economy is changing. People, especially in retail, are not just losing their jobs because of these types of bankruptcies, but also through automation. And there's a lot of disruption, and it's not good for our economy to just have this mass layoff with folks just kind of left on their own to figure out how to make their next move. Carrie, 
mentioned the pressure on state pension funds, which have invested not just in the, you call them private equity firms, but kind of more the, the creditors like Solus, but also KKR and Bain, who did the original leverage buyout, who my understanding is are speaking to you guys about this potential worker fund. But I'm curious, I, I do have to ask about you guys. Your parent organization gets money from the Ford Foundation, and among the things Ford invests in are private equity funds like Bain. So I have to ask, while putting pressure on state pension funds, are you putting pressures on the folks who are funding you? Oh, that's an interesting question. Ford has been very supportive of the Toys R Us employees who are organizing for some justice for their families. It's a different dynamic of investment, I would say. The pension funds, these private equity firms go almost on a regular basis to ask for more money from the pension funds. And it's a little bit different dynamic, I would say, than philanthropy. And I wasn't aware that that was the case. I would say we all are kind of invested in these firms, right? Many folks have stocks that the American economy is now integrated in these kinds of funds. And I think that there's definitely the need for more awareness and also generates an opportunity, right? Like we're all helping these funds grow and they should be more accountable to the interests of our communities and families. And so I don't think it's that they're inherently bad, but they need to engage in responsible investment and investors like both the New Jersey Pension Fund or the Virginia Investment Board that we were there yesterday talking to them about Solis and Angel Gordon, you know, can play a role in kind of moving them to be better actors. Thank you very much to Carrie Gleason, policy director who is overseeing the Rise Up Retail campaign. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is self-driving cars. One of the expected benefits of this technology is that it should reduce accidents. And some new data seems to support that. Specifically, new data compiled by Axios, which shows that of the 88 self-driving accidents ever reported, only seven of them were caused by the cars themselves. The rest were due to humans, most of whom were driving other cars. Plus, weirdly, three that involved humans literally attacking self-driving cars that were parked. Why it matters is that we're not going to have one fell swoop switch to self-driving. Instead, we'll be sharing roads for a while. But what the data suggests is that we might need separate driving lanes, at least in the interim, which is something that some states and cities are already considering. And finally, no new Trump tweets about Google this morning, but yesterday he did double down on his censorship claims and said that the search giant has taken advantage of people. Google, meanwhile, replied with this statement, quote, search is not used to set a political agenda and we don't bias our results toward any political ideology, end quote. Well, that's true, I guess, outside of what it's working on in China, apparently. And hopefully that's not the type of search service that Trump envisions. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Google Play, or other platforms. And to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Chop Suey Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.